0: Taking a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports from your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more, denversports.com. And it is Denver sports tonight on this Monday night in the Mile High City. James Merlot, Will Peterson with you for the next hour. Lots of games this weekend, James. It felt like I couldn't keep up. Nuggets are playing, Avs are playing, Rockies are playing, Nuggets are playing, Avs are playing, Rockies are playing. It it, it was kind of nice. We had six of them in a 48-hour span. Well, give it a week, and we're going to be watching a playoff game virtually every night Mm -hmm. or two. Uh, The Rockies will be playing virtually every night. It is going to be a wild uh, late April, hopefully all of May and into June, and I can't wait. Sign me up. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. It just... These regular seasons have become a little bit of a slog, right? We're just ready for the postseason in both sports for different reasons. The Nuggets, we got to see if they can snap out of it. The Avs, it's like, they're so hot right now. I wish these games counted as playoff wins. Well, Mac told me, and this was a couple weeks ago. He's like, buckle up because you're going to hate the end of the year. Oh, I was the one who told you that. Oh, that was you? Yes. Oh, sorry. My apologies. All good. Usually it's Mac yelling at me, so I was just, just assuming that's what it was. I was the one who told you a month ago. On, these, on this show, James Merillat, you were going to hate the next month. Of that August's was basketball. you? Yes. Well, I was just going to give Dmac credit, so now I'll give it to you. You were spot on. Yeah. It was awful. It was frustrating. It was concerning. And even though we saw it coming, even though you predicted it, and it went essentially exactly how you said it would. Of like, they're going to get the one seed, but it ain't going to be a pretty ride to it because right. they're going to take a lot of nights off, and there's going to be games where the starters play half the game. And and now here we are, and I'm like nervous as heck about going into the postseason. Meanwhile, the Avs are having to claw their way back to the top of the division, and they're they're vying for playoff positioning. <laughs> and I could not be more confident. In them heading into the postseason, yep. plus the histories of both teams with their current groups in the in the playoffs, one just won the Cup and the other one has been bounced the last two years in embarrassing fashion. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, exactly as you said, and I could not feel less confident about the Nuggets. I have not felt less confident about the Nuggets at any point this season than I do right now. And it's so funny because we didn't know it at the time, but there's a clear line in the sand of when this Nuggets season got Got bad vibes. You know what it was? it was. When they beat Memphis. It's the Ja Moran shotguns night. Yep. It's it's one hundred percent that win against Memphis. Something happened. It could be as simple as they relaxed. It could be something deeper that we don't even know about. But just the juju of Ja showing his gun on Instagram live at shotguns, things just haven't been the same since that gave him a seven game lead over Memphis. Yep. Heading into yesterday, that lead was down to one. Yeah, they could have very easily finished with the same record. The Nuggets would have won the tiebreaker. Now the Nuggets won and the Grizzlies lost, so it looks a little prettier. But you are right. I mean, it it almost became a tie for the West, and the Nuggets were the one seed. We knew that obviously, you know, five six days ago because they they held the tiebreaker. Well, and, and you know, I do think it was important to them. Michael Malone said as much yesterday that hey, we didn't want this to be a tie, and we won the tiebreaker. We wanted to get the number one seed outright. So okay, I can respect that, but you didn't really want it because you didn't play any of your starters. No. So yeah it's like the people that say we want to win well no, you'd like to win. We don't really want to win. like te- teams and franchises really want to win. You can see the commitment they make on an annual basis and teams that would like to win. it's like, well sure, who doesn't like to win if it, if it comes your way and it falls into your lap, you'll take it. Um, that's what I think the uh, we want to be the number one seed outright kind of comment was. but man, I just hope this the, the, this next week they get to watch the playing game. They hopefully will have some good-spirited practices. And they have to come out in game one of whoever against whoever they play. And you can sputter maybe for a quarter. Not quite like you did in Utah, but you can sputter for a quarter. But then the rest has to be off because they cannot afford to drop game one or two in the opening round. Yeah, and those times haven't been announced yet. We do know the game will be on Sunday. I'm kind of hoping they don't get the sleepy Sunday afternoon slot, James. Give me a night game. Okay, it just feels like that team's going to play better in night games there's going to be more anticipation man if they're a 130 i mean we saw them lose that game 7 to what was it portland yep. on a sunday afternoon yep yeah, that's not the nuggets time to shine they they play better the later it is the lights are the brightest We'll see how that shakes out. But let's get into this play-in tournament because this is so fascinating, James. We all knew when the concept came out, oh, this will be kind of interesting and fun. Well, when you're the one seed, it's fascinating because we won't know who they play until Friday night. Yeah, it's fantastic. So while the Nuggets aren't in the play-in tournament, to some extent they're very involved in the play-in tournament. The four teams, uh, the Lakers, the Wolves, the Pelicans, the Thunder, who do you want the most? Who do you want the least? Who could beat the Nuggets in round one, and who's a get-right, hey, the Nuggets win it in five type series? The Lakers are the team clearly you don't want. I mean, they have the fourth-best odds to come out of the West, and they're in the play-in tournament. So uh, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. They have clearly righted the ship post-trading Russell Westbrook. Yep. And then once LeBron came back, they didn't miss a beat. Le- when LeBron's healthy and AD's healthy, that's a that's a tough team to beat. And it's the Lakers. They're going to get every whistle. We've been in enough of those series They'll in the past. we playing five on eight. We, exactly. We know, we know how that is going to go. So I want no part of the Lakers. I will be watching tomorrow's game with such a rooting interest and in pulling for the Lakers because then they're the seven seed. If they win tomorrow, they're the seven. That's done and you're down to three. I think the other three, you're kind of I, – I think the Nuggets would beat either t- any of those three teams in four or five games. I think you look at it and... Wow, really? Yeah. New Orleans and Minnesota actually played pretty well down the stretch. I think they were 7-3 and three in their last 10. The the Thunder kind of sputtered. They're 5-5. Five and five. They kind of finished like the Nuggets. The Thunder have a lot of young talent, They do. but they've never been there before. Um, I, I guess I would take them. They're a sub-500 team. Like, really, if you can't sweep a sub-500 team, you are arguably the worst one seed in NBA history. So they're 40 and 42. Give me the Thunder to answer your question. You're a little more optimistic about this than I am. I, I think there's a realistic chance they lose in round one regardless of the opponent. Unless it's Oklahoma City. I think Minnesota could get them in round one. I think New Orleans could get them in round one. And I certainly think the Lakers could get them in okay, round Okay, so your ranking is the same as me. The Lakers would be the team you want to see the least. The Thunder be the team you want to yeah, see the most. Yeah, but you said the other three, you could see them sweeping them. James, I'm worried they may not win it in seven. I'm, I'm worried they could be in Cabo in two weeks. The, the Pelicans are huge. They have length and size okay. that can bother the Nuggets inside, and that's even without Zion, and we're unsure on his health. So you're saying you think it's going to go like the first round went in 2019 when they were the two seed, and it took them seven games to beat San Antonio. The fourth quarter of game seven to beat San Antonio. Ugh. And, man, yeah, I, if they struggle that much with anybody other than the Lakers, that is going to be a giant red flag because they are going their path after the first round the first at the first round is the lakers they have the worst possible gauntlet for any one seed i can ever remember where mm-hmm. it would be lakers most likely Suns? let's face it most likely warriors yeah the warriors quadrant is a joke because they're in the two three six seven so they're in there with what memphis the Kings, the yeah, Warriors, and then whoever hopefully wins. Hopefully the Lakers. Hopefully the Lakers. They're seven and a half point favorites tomorrow night. But if it's not the Lakers, then they get one of those other three teams. They are going to the Western Conference Finals. The Warriors are going to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, the two, three, six, seven, much better place to be than the one Because remember, the NBA is bracketed. People forget that. There's no reseeding. It's right, bracketed. Right. So if the Nuggets win the 1-8, they'll play the winner of the 4-5 no matter what. And if they, if they get somebody other than the Lakers and they advance, but it takes them seven games... I give them very little shot against the Suns. If they come out and it's like, wow, they look like that team they were before they beat Memphis, and they're back playing their brand of basketball, and they really were just in chill mode, and they beat the Pels in five, Mm -hmm. okay, I give them a coin flip, puncher's chance against the Suns. I think that would be a great series but if we don't see that they've corrected things and they squeak by against a team that's 40 and 42 or 42 and 40 yeah come on the suns are going to dispatch of them maybe as embarrassingly as they did 2 years ago so but do you think that they will beat any of the four even the lakers and that may be a seven game tough series but they're they're not going to be the latest to get eight-1 which i believe has happened like two or three times in nba history i would not pick the nuggets to beat the lakers in a series no Lakers in the 6, 7, something like that? Yes. It would be a long series, but I think that they would I think they would lose that series. And that's what I'm getting at because it's April 10th. They're the one seat. And James rather than us sitting here talking about, man, let's hope they can get it done in 4, 5 at the worst. Suns and Clippers go 7, beat each other up. We're the ones who are saying, no no no. Our series is probably going to go seven, and that's the one versus the eight. We shouldn't even be having to discuss the opponent this much, but the Nuggets, the way they played the last six weeks is a very valid conversation that, let's be honest, the the, the West, 53 wins in general isn't a one-seed type number for Denver. They got, they got the one seed in the year. The West was down. It's pretty competitive. It's pretty close. I, I think there's... Like I said, it's a coin flip. I think there's a coin flip chance they, they lose the one eight. Well, and here's why I think the first two games are so important. They have a losing record on the road. They're nineteen and twenty two. Look at the top teams in the Eastern Conference. The top four or five teams all have really good road records. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets got to fifty three because they're thirty four and seven at home. And I, I my question with this team is how inflated is that thirty four and seven record? Because prior to the All-Star break, the Nuggets saw a lot of B teams in here. They saw a lot of teams that sat a player, two players, three players, and it inflated the record. I think that's pretty impossible to argue, but how much did it inflate it? Because I don't have a lot of faith in them going on the road and winning playoff games. This isn't the abs. No, and and obviously, could they go into OKC and win a playoff game? Sure. Could they go into Minnesota and win a playoff game? Maybe. They're not going into whatever it's called now crypto.com arena they are not and winning a playoff game in LA against the Lakers they could go into smoothie king and win there you go there you go or new orleans they could go into what's uh what's minnesota they still the target center that sounds right target center where's memphis play fedex forum there is you it go. the fedex forum look at that but you got to say oklahoma city cuz that's the other first round oh. possible opponent uh oklahoma city that one i don't know I have no idea. They've been so off the radar. That is the paycom center. Sure it yeah, is. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, you're right. The fact that we're even having to have that conversation. Uh, that's that's what's worried me. Is concerning. And I think we would have – you talked about how the Warriors are in an easy quadrant. If Let's just say that was the Nuggets group of four. We would be concerned about Memphis. We would be concerned about Sacramento. And we could be concerned about whatever play-in team got there because we're concerned about the play-in team anyway. Right. So I don't know where they could have landed here. Maybe the Clippers as a draw because they've dominated the Clippers this year, but I, I just don't think there's a matchup that the way this team is playing and their history in the in the playoffs that that makes you go, Yeah, they're gonna be fine. This is a team in the last six weeks that has lost to the Bulls, the Spurs, and the Rockets. So there there's really no one you could be playing right now where you and I would say, Oh yeah, Nuggs and four, Nugs and five, no matter what. Um, so, so we'll see how it shakes out. In terms of just these play-in games, tomorrow you get Wolves-Lakers. The winner is the 7. And then Wednesday night you get Pelicans-Thunder. The loser's done. The winner of that game will play the loser of the Wolves-Lakers. Friday night the winner of that game emerges as the 8th seed. It's quite a process to figure out the Nuggets opponent. How worried are you that they're not going to know this till late Friday night? And they got to turn around and do this thing on Sunday. It seems like, to me, whoever emerges from the play-in... That's a winner, right? They, they, yeah. they maybe lost the first game, but at least they won their second game. Or if you're the Thunder, you got to win two in a row. You're the Pelicans, you got to win two in a row. That's a team that's going to be playing with house money, nothing to lose, riding some momentum. All the Nuggets have just twiddled their thumb for seven days. Yeah, and both teams will have the same amount of time to prepare, right? It's, you'll really know for two days. I'm sure both teams have advanced scouts who are looking at every possible opponent, right? Like, if you're Oklahoma City... Yeah, you've got people who are wor- working on the Pelicans and who are working on Minnesota and who are working on the Lakers. You've also got a group that's working on Denver. You do. You're, you're getting prepared for that. And the Nuggets right now are working on all four possible opponents. And you'll eliminate one of them tomorrow. So now you're only working on three possible yeah. opponents. And you'll slowly but surely whittle it down. But, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a concern. I, I think the if the Nuggets were playing really well, though, like the Avs, I would hate for the Avs to have a week off before the playoffs started. Oh, yeah. That would be like the Rockies in 2007, right? All the momentum just goes away. As bad as the Nuggets are playing, honestly, a week off is the best possible thing. Mm. Just go hit the reset button. If I were Michael Malone, I I would give him a couple of days just totally off. Just go clear your mind, go do whatever, and then you come back on Wednesday and you start busting your butt getting ready for Sunday because this is just a team that, Mentally, physically, whatever else. Emotionally. It's just just not with it, and they need a major hit of the reset button. I mean, Nikola Jokic, James, takes five shots in Utah, finishes with six, ten, and ten. He would have gotten a triple-double if he had just taken two or three more shots. He looks bored, disinterested, all those things. Jokic has always played well in the playoffs, though. He's always played well in the playoffs. I need to see it. Come Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, I need to see a Joker 32-17-12 game and him looking engaged because right now, for whatever reason, and maybe it's just because I told you you were going to hate the last six weeks of Nuggets basketball, Nikola Jokic looks like he'd rather be anywhere else. He really looked that way in Utah. Yeah, he looked like he was playing in preseason games, and yeah. I get it. To some extent, they were. so, But we haven't seen this team play a good game since March 25th. That's when they beat the Bucks. Because mm-hmm. they beat, two nights later, they beat the Sixers, but that was the Sixers team without Embiid and without Harden. That, that's not an impressive win. And then they didn't look good in the three games after that when Jokic was hurt. Then they go to they, they had a Houston game in there. They had a two games in Phoenix where they just basically took the night off, played all the backups. Like, their best performances were by the backups in Phoenix twice. Yeah. They, two they, losses. They took Kevin Durant and Chris Ball to the, the buzzer the other night, more or less. I mean, they lost by four points, and that game was... That game was close, still under a minute to go. We will know a week from tonight, though, when we're doing this show, whether or not we need to be worried. Because game one is Sunday. Mm-hmm. And if you're right. If we come out and we see Jokic and he's 32, 12, and 9. And it's like, yep, you know what? He controlled the pace of the game. He was back looking like himself. He was engaged. He was fighting the open guy. They were hitting shots again. All that kind of stuff. We're like, yep, we're good. If we see any version that looks like what we saw in Houston, mm-hmm. That's the game that worries me because that was a game that mattered. That was for the number one seed for the first time in the history of the franchise as an NBA team. You could have clinched it that night, and he was terrible in that game. Eight turnovers. The team wasn't very good overall. It was a one-point game heading into the fourth quarter, and they ended up losing by 20. That was a game that is a huge red flag. But we're going to know in game one. Mm -hmm. We're going to know. And... If it's the Lakers, I think it's trouble. I think if it's the other three, they'll be all right. But I understand your pessimism. I really do. I've got a call. I'm coming tomorrow at denversports.com. A little sneak peek here. Uh, It is titled, It Feels Like the Avs Are Going to Win the Stanley Cup While the Nuggets Exit Early. That is where I am officially at, James. The, The Avs, to me... Nathan McKinnon's on a different planet right now. Miko Rantan, and I tweeted it last night, he should be a fringe Hart Trophy candidate. He's not going to be, because I understand McDavid, 150 points, whatever. But when you have those two on the ice, Kale's still looming, Gabe's still looming, Arturi's still looming, and you're still winning all these games? I just, I wrote it, and like I said, folks can read it tomorrow. I truly believe, James, as we sit here today, that the Avalanche are going to win the Stanley Cup, and the Nuggets are going to be in Cabo in two weeks. That's just how I feel. I think you're well. I think the Abs are going to make the Stanley Cup final, and then I give them the old coin flip puncher chance against whoever. Probably going to be Boston, battered and bruised because the East is so much Correct. better than the West. Correct. So uh, even without Landeskog, uh, we talked about this today, Rachel and D Mac and I did on coffee break. Even without Landeskog, I think they can get out of the West. Yeah. I, I don't know that they'll cruise through it the way they did last year, but I I don't know who's going to beat them four times in two weeks. I just have a hard time. Figuring out who that opponent is that could that could pull that off. If you get to the Stanley Cup Final and you're playing a Boston team that has been just tremendous all year long, yeah, set a record last night for most wins, yeah. So some of those teams, okay, then I think it's and they won't have probably they won't have home ice. That'll make it a little bit of a different scenario, but they're going to have an extended playoff streak. We're going to be run. We're going to be covering them for two months. I do feel like the Nuggets in two or three weeks we could be. Talking about, hey, what's the move they need to make? Is it they just need to? And this is what I would propose if that happens, if mm-hmm. they lose in the first round, it's the old scientific method. You change one variable at a time so you can figure out what the problem was. I don't know that there's a Nuggets fan alive who wouldn't want to say who wouldn't say I want to see this core: Jokic, MPJ, Murray, Aaron Gordon, KCP, Bruce Bowen. The, the, this first first Brown, this group with a different head coach. That would be the the simple thing, the easy thing, the smart thing to do. Well, if you get 8-1 and you don't want to fire Michael Malone, you're crazy. Uh, You're just an apologist or or your last name is Malone. Correct. Yeah. Um, That would be the easiest thing. That would be the thing I would want to do. But do I think if you lose in the first round, you shouldn't consider offers? If somebody blows you away for Jamal Murray and MPJ, of course you should. And it was my column today at Mm denversports.com. If somebody makes you a crazy offer, and there are four, and I, I forgot to include the the one in the in the uh, in the article, but you can't say that. Hey, I wouldn't. I'd never. I would never. I would never trade Jokic. Really, if the Bucks offered you Giannis, you wouldn't consider it. Mm, I wouldn't do it, but you'd consider it. Yeah, sure. think you made me pause. If Philly calls and offers you Embiid, no, I want nothing to do with that guy. <laughs> okay, because I do not like his personality at all. Okay. If uh, the the Thunder call and offer you three of their young stars, including Chet Holmgren, number one pick last year, didn't play a game this year because he was hurt. Mm. You wouldn't be tempted. You wouldn't be tempted to say, "What are the What do those three guys look like with MPJ, Murray, Aaron Gordon?" But James, Nicole Jokic is trending toward being a top twenty player to ever play basketball. Or, and this is the one I didn't include, the number one overall pick. Oh, for this kid in the lottery that everyone wants. Yeah. I, I just I think your first part of this makes more sense. Your scientific method. Just change the head coach. Agree. Let's just right my run, first option. run it back. Like I I think trading Nikola Jokic if you lose in the first round would be a nuclear panic thing where you've got to see it with a different head coach before again you ship out a player who's a first ballot Hall of Famers, won two MVPs, almost won a third this year, and again will go down as one of the best centers of all time. I agree with you. I'm just saying the conversation should be had. If somebody, I'm not saying trade him for a couple of, you know, a late first round pick and a couple of, you know, a sixth and seventh guy off the bench. Like, that's not what I'm suggesting. It would have to be a blockbuster. Can't possibly turn it down. I'm the Seattle Seahawks and the Broncos call and really want Russell Wilson. What are you offering me? Mm, That's kind of an insult to Nikola Jokic. He's so much greater than Russell Wilson. Russell, Russell Wilson's got a ring. Yeah, that his defense carried him, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's been to two Super Bowls. He That's uh, the reason he doesn't have two rings. He Damn. also got here. He got, arrived here after 10 years. Everybody's saying, surefire Hall of Famer, right? That's he, changed. You want to And how – look, I think Russell Wilson's going to bounce back. I think he's going to have a really good year. I, think, I, t- I tend to agree with you I that. I think it was an aberration. aberration. But I guarantee you there are a lot of people in Seattle saying, it's a good thing we sold on that guy when his stock was high instead of waiting once he went over that hill, because that, that stock was going to plummet. Yeah, you want to sell a year er, too early, not a year too late? Russ plays quarterback. like That's a much more physically demanding position where we do see guys fall off a cliff. Last time I checked, centers in their 20s don't just fall off a cliff. Mm, I, I saw, and I, I was very alarmed, watching Nikola Jokic in Houston play basketball when he wasn't 100%. That, to me, was a glimpse into the future of what he's going to be when he does start to diminish, and in, it was ugly. In eight years. Uh, see, that's, uh, that's where I'm not, I'm not with you. Listen, he may only play five, because that's all he's got left on his contract. Yeah, and then I, I heard the guys on the drive talking about it today. Like, once he's, he's gone, he's gone. We'll never see Nikola Jokic again. You will not. He and will disappear into the Serbian horse scene. So if you, if you bring him back next year, now whoever's trading for him has four years left. Of him. Like, his value goes down with every passing year. If you don't think you can win with him, and I do think it's a fair question, if they get bounced in the first round this year, what is the combination that it would take to win with Nikola Jokic in the playoffs? Well, you would need to call Dallas and do everything in your power to get Luka Doncic. Okay. Yes. And, and, And that's fine. But the conversation would need to be had of can you win in the playoffs with this guy, or is he just a great regular season player? That would become fair. But, James, he's been great in the playoffs. He has. I mean, he dragged Austin Rivers and Faku Kampazu a season ago to to a first-round exit in five games. Right, and they would have lost every game by 30 (laughs) if it weren't for the Joker, man. I (laughs) I mean, the Warriors hung, what, 160 on Portland yesterday? That's what they would have done to the Nuggets. But their last three playoff series would have been swept by the Suns, losing five to the Warriors, and get bounced as a 1 seed by an 8 seed. Yeah, the head coach would get fired. For sure, and I think Jamal and Michael Porter Jr could very well get moved. But you Just also to me, me, James, have to ask, Jokic isn't on the table. He's untouchable. He's not untouchable when he's there untouchable. Are an, you considered Embiid. Or sorry, Giannis. Yeah, but the Bucks wouldn't do that. I, I mean, he's beloved in that city. He's given him not, a title. That's my issue with this. He's not untouchable. Yeah, but Zach By was talking about your article a bunch today like what's the difference between fantasy basketball and real life basketball? Fantasy basketball, you and I can talk about trading Giannis for Jokic. Real life, that's just—it's not a possibility. I agree, but you can't say he's untouchable if there is an offer you would consider. I mean, I, I see your point on that, but it just—I'm trying to live in the what could the Nuggets actually do to finally get over the top and call on the Bucks and saying Giannis for Jokic—that's just not going to happen. I just think the uh, the people who who act like you won't seriously answer or ask that question if they get bounced in the first round are the same people who told me, no way Nathaniel Hackett gets fired after one year. People will be more patient. Yeah, how'd that turn out? Yeah, 15 games. He didn't even make it one year. So, all right, well, it's uh, worth your time to go check out at denversports.com. We've got plenty of abs and nuggets content up there. And coming up next, Nathan McKinnon, he wins an award as the NHL's best player last week. It's Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. The Avalanche could not be hotter as the Stanley Cup playoffs are a week away, as will host the Oilers tomorrow night, then the Jets, and then head to Nashville. James, for the uh, Christmas makeup pipes bursting at Bridgestone Arena game that I filled you in on? Watergate. Sure. Okay. Watergate <laughs> 2.0. Uh, but they control their own destiny for the Central Division, and I think I think that is huge um, because as I've outlined to you, you let Dallas and Minnesota take care of each other. You get to play Seattle or maybe even the LA Kings because they are starting to fall off a cliff in that Wild Card spot. And James, like tomorrow night against the Oilers, they win. They're going to maybe finish with more points than Edmonton. That's a potential Western Conference Final. I mean, they get some help with Vegas. They could win the West still. It's kind of crazy how this is all coming together, that they certainly can get home ice in the first two rounds, and home ice in the, the Western Conference Finals is now definitely in the conversation. Yeah, and last year when they faced Edmonton, being able to jump out to a 2-0 lead was big, right? When game won the 8-6 victory. Yeah, the lacrosse game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know what? That series probably is tighter. I don't, I still would pick them to win, but it's tighter if the first two games are up in Edmonton and they're able to avoid falling in a 2-0 hole. Sure. I mean, once teams fall down 2-0 to the Avs, it's like, they're not going to beat them four out of seven. They're certainly not going to beat them four out of five. I mean, we saw Nashville, I'm not going to say quit because that's a strong allegation, but they didn't want to play games three no. and four. They knew they were toast. They knew they were done. And then St. Louis, you got to give them credit. They came here and got a split. And then the ABS went and won both in St. Louis, and then St. Louis somehow came here and got game five, too. I maintain that the Blues were the toughest team the ABS played in the postseason last year, even more so than the Lightning. The Blues gave the ABS the series I was most worried about. Now, maybe that's because it fell in round two, but when you sweep Nashville and Edmonton, it's not either of those. So the answer is literally Tampa, who you went to six with, or St. Louis, who you went to six well, with. Well, probably the, the scariest series where you thought, they may lose this, and part of it was because of you know, what what had happened in the second round in previous years. Correct. But that St. Louis series was one we were all on edge. Right? I mean we we thought we were celebrating the Abs winning the Stanley Cup in game five. McKinnon had an all time goal to put him up four three with three minutes left. He goes coast to coast, the pop top top pops off. I can't say that off ball arena. And they blow it. They give up a goal at the end of regulation. They lose in overtime and we're all going round two. Boogeyman is here again. I'm so glad they didn't have to play game game seven. James, oh, me too. Because they would have lost game seven. Me at home. too. But they were they were within three minutes of winning the Stanley Cup final in five games. Correct. So, oh, I thought you were talking about the St. Louis series. My bad. You're talking about Tampa series. Yeah, yeah. But the St. Louis series was was one you were worried about. It was close because three. they lost one of the first two games. Yes, it, it made it to where it's like even though they had to, they went to St. Louis and won games three and four, it's still made it like, oh, man, they got some work to do. The other ones, when they jump out to a lead, again, you're not going to beat that team four out of five games. No, you're you're, not. you're just not. So having home ice, all these people say they got a great uh, road record this year, they do. I think they've set a record for most road wins in franchise history. Last year, they lost one road game in the postseason, right? So they're a really good, They're not really good, they're a great road team. They are. But to suggest home ice advantage and having to start on the road for the first two games of a series isn't a disadvantage, I think is being a little bit delusional about how the postseason works. Yeah, I'm with you. They uh, get the Ducks dramatically 5-4 last night in overtime. Nathan McKinnon and Miko Randon both have more than 100 points now. That hasn't happened in like 14, 15 years for an Avalanche player. And McKinnon wins first star of the week today. Five goals, five assists, three game-winning goals. It does feel like, and I mentioned this a little bit in the first segment, that McKinnon is in full-on bleep you mode, and Rantanen is playing the best hockey of his life. And again, in my opinion, should receive some votes for the Hart Trophy. Even if that's not first-place votes, he should get some consideration for that award. Yeah, no, and I, I think, you know, we talked about my Jokic article in the first segment. But speaking of unpopular columns I've written... I also wrote that Nathan McKinnon should have won the Conn Smythe. You did. I think we're seeing now who the most important player is on that team. Kale McCarr is a great player. He's a great player. But this team without Nathan McKinnon, I wouldn't say they'd be average, but he is definitely the, the straw that serves the drink. We he's, watched them play a month without McKinnon this year. They were definitely average. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's what makes them special because he, one, he's just so good in what he does, but it's also the attention he draws. And his ability to go end-to-end end and make things happen and his just his speed on the ice, it's just nobody has an answer for it. And they're back on their heels all the time trying to figure out how to deal with it. He's what makes this team great. He is their best player. I think this season has uh, answered that question. I also think Miko Rantanen is one of the more underrated stars in this town mm. because he's a guy, if he was on... Three-quarters of the other teams in the NHL, that they're, they're building a team around him. He's, he's the best player on the team. And if you walk around Ball Arena, and I'm not taking a shot at the fans, but what percentage jerseys are Miko Rantan? It's a lot of McCarr, a lot of McKinnon, a lot of Landeskog, a lot of Sackick and Waugh and guys like that. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not a lot, and he is a great, great player, but he just so happens to be the third-best player on a. Darn, uh, on a great team, and therefore he doesn't get as much attention as he should. That's a really interesting observation. He's a little like Milan Hadouk, hey in that sense was, because you always had Joe yeah. and Peter, right? It was always Joe Sakic, Peter Forsberg, but Milan was awesome, right? Even the, the Chris Drury's and the Alex Tangis, or whatever, and, and Miko's better than those two guys, but Sackick, Forsberg, McKinnon, McCarr, we got to appreciate that second tier because the Avs don't win their first two cups without that second tier of guys. Yeah, and there's always, like, there's the stars and everybody knows them, Yeah, right? And it was back in the day. It was it was Sackick and Forsberg. And then there's always kind of those fan favorites, right? And you met Drury. Um, gosh, who's the, the guy that— oh, my Mike dear. Ricci. They, wow. Don't know how you got what I was going for off that. Because you were, said fan favorite, and I was like, Mike Ricci, he was a, he was a trip, man. Good player, right? Yeah. Good player. Fine player. Played a, played a big role on the team. Yep. But he wasn't one of their four or five best players on the roster. No. But everybody knew him, and you'd see a lot of Ricci jerseys. Uh, the higher percentage of Ricci jerseys than his ability and his position on the team warranted. He was like the class clown. Right. Have I told you my Mike Ricci story real quick? No. So my dad took us to practice, my sister and I, when I was like... I don't know, seven years old, and she was nine or ten. And we were outside the old South Suburban ice rink. That's where they used to practice four-family sports. And the players were coming out, and, you know, we're little kids. We want autographs, whatever. And Mike Ricci comes out, and there's like ten of us, and we all kind of swarm around him. And he goes, look, kids, it's Joe Sackick. And then he just sprints to his car and drives <laughs> off and gets out of there, and Joe Sackick was nowhere to be found. Uh, that's fantastic. Look, kids, it's Joe Sackick. I will never forget it, that. He's kind of one of those, like, Cult heroes, yeah, right? and and th- this team has those. And Miko Ranton's the guy everybody forgets about. Yeah, he is, and he's a great player. I do wonder, like, how, how how does Hart Trophy voting work? Is it like the NBA? And I should know this. I'll look it up during the break. But I want to know, like, yes, McDavid's going to win the award, but could Miko get as high as second place? Could he get high as third place? Or am I just you know, my burgundy glasses here on this Miko Randon thing. I, I would be curious to see what the odds are and how the how the award voting ultimately breaks down. I guess there's three finalists, right? Because, like, yeah. last year we saw McCarr at the ceremony with the three finalists. It'd be cool for Miko Randon to be one of those three. We've seen McKinnon be a finalist before, but, of course, never seen Randon. I, I think he has a chance, given the fact of, like, look, he's putting up uh, – his goal total is breaking – his tying record set by Joe Sakic. He has an outside shot of setting the all-time franchise record, which yes. was set – back in in Quebec when they were still the Nordiques you know you you eclipse 100 points you're going to be in that conversation um yeah i don't think anybody has a chance of everybody's it's like larry bird in the uh, three point contest they're, they're all ta- we're all talking about hey who's who's going to finish second here but i think he has a chance of at least being invited to the ceremony and being a finalist and that would be cool that would be well deserved and fun all right coming up next Draymond Jones, man, still no love loss for the Denver Broncos. He was back at it again today, and he's talking about the Russell Wilson trade. station, 104.3 The Fan presents Denver Sports Tonight. He's now a Seattle Seahawk, but Draymond Jones still feels disrespected by the Denver Broncos. Uh, He told the Seattle area media on a Zoom press conference today, I mean bleep, four letter S word, they should have just traded me from the jump. I was included in the trade. Denver said no. He is talking about the Russell Wilson trade and how he just wishes he had been a part of it, and he had been a Seahawk last year. This confirms basically everything we knew about Draymond Jones when he said this in November. I'm here right now. Didn't want to be here. Well, I can see why the Broncos didn't trade him in the as part of the Russell Wilson deal, right? Like Shelby Harris was a guy they they felt like they could e- they could replace easier. They thought they were going to have a good year, right? We all thought they oh, were. Yeah. And you would want to have Draymond Jones on the roster. The time they made a mistake not trading him was at the trade deadline. Mm. Because at that point, you knew you hadn't signed him to a long-term deal. You had to somewhat know the temperature of those negotiations. You had to know what number he was looking for and whether or not you were willing to go to it. And you could have got something for him. And you were 3-5. and The season was already going down the drain. You knew all the problems that you, were, that you were having during the year. And you traded Bradley Chubb so you didn't have to pay him. Right. So, like, and when they traded Bradley Chubb, the justification was, well, we got a first-round pick, okay, and now you can pay Draymond. Well, they didn't pay Draymond. So if you weren't going to re-sign him then, and if you didn't know at that point, then what are you doing, George Payton? If you weren't going to re-sign Draymond or thought pretty darn good chance we're not going to, you should have traded him and got some. Especially when draft picks are so scarce around here they Mm -hmm. only have five you know how much nicer would it look right now if you'd gotten a second and a fourth for Draymond right right. we'd be feeling a lot better with our seven picks including a second round pick and instead what you'll get compensatory picks at some point for Draymond yeah and you still could have gone out and signed Zach Allen and plugged that hole this year and you know would the season have gone worse? They went 2-7 and after the trade deadline. Well, and Draymond disappeared after they traded. He had five tackles, one sack, and one tackle for a loss. Yeah, and and was that just because he didn't want to be here, or was that because his play was truly impacted that much by not having Bradley Chubb on the line with him? I don't know, but it's one of those two things. I think it was those two things plus then at the end of the year he was hurt. Right. And how much of that was, I'm sure he was hurt, but how much of that is, hey, if we were, you know, 10 and 5 right now I could play in these last two games. Or, hey, we're 5 and 10, and why on earth am I going to go out there and risk a big injury when I'm going to be a free agent? Yeah, when I've got a $80 million contract coming my way. And I understand that business decision. Oh, I too. The season was going nowhere. Um, so I, I think he's got a little bit of a point of the Broncos did kind of misplay it, but not during the Russell Wilson trade. It was smart not to include him. It, the, the putting Shelby Harris in the deal instead of him was a wise move. Uh, Jones went on today to say, quote, Denver didn't pay me my proper respects, so I'm here in Seattle because they respected me from the jump. does feel like Draymond Jones likes to pull the I'm-not-respected card. This feels like the fourth time he's done this. Yeah. Denver didn't respect me. Well, I don't know how they didn't respect you unless they didn't offer you a deal, Everything we heard was that your agent and George Payton were talking. At least that's what he told us at the Combine. So, unless George Payton was just lying to us, I think they respected you, and I think they offered you a deal. I think when you said this. I'm here right now. You didn't want to be here, dude. That sounds a little disrespectful from Draymond Jones back to the organization. It does. And, look, the the didn't respect me card I always think is is pretty weak. And, look, people use different things to motivate themselves, and Draymond Jones is motivating himself by trying to prove the Broncos wrong. Great. Good for him. You do you. This doesn't make me mad. It just makes me roll my eyes. Like, look, they drafted you in the third round. They gave you uh, every opportunity to play and shine. As far as I know, all of your game checks cleared. And then when you became a free agent, you were able to go cash in. It's it's business. It's not disrespect. Yeah, would you rather be Dalton Reisner, dude? He doesn't have a deal. Like, Dalton Reisner, like, he may not get signed until after the draft, and he's going to get like a one-year, couple-million-dollar deal the way this is trending. I would be surprised if he was signed before the draft. I would, too. I think teams are going to look at it and say, hey, do, are we able to fill that uh, that hole with a, a, a rookie guard? He, he, he'll he end up somewhere, but he's not going to get the type of deal he expected. Honestly, it's not outside the realm of possibility that he's back here as a backup. <laughs> Backing up the belly, I guess, or Ben Powers. Or you know he's a guy who played a lot of different positions. You know does Quinn, is Quinn Miners play? Is, can, can move around too? Like right? You know we talked last year. If hey they had five guys for three positions at the two guards and at the center, is it the worst thing in the world if you if you throw Dalton Riser in on a one year deal to be in that same kind of equation this year? I don't know. Don't forget, Draymond Jones told our uh, sister station, Seattle Sports Seven Ten, last month that there was, quote, too much going on, a lot of drama, and football didn't seem as important as it needed to be. So, Jones a little bit at this point, he's kind of the guy who can't stop bad-mouthing his ex wherever he goes. I'm, I'm a little sick of hearing of Draymond Jones. I would agree with that. Like, you know what? You, you, you've moved on. If you're so happy with your new situation, why do you keep talking about the old one? It's the same thing I kept saying about the Seahawks and Pete Carroll at some point last year with Russell Wilson. If you're so thrilled with Geno and you're so sure that long-term this yeah. is, that you're going to win this deal, why do you have to gloat about it? You, you don't, right? No. Success is the best possible revenge. Living a happy, moving on and living a happy life is the best possible revenge. Why does Draymond Jones keep talking about the Broncos? And if I get it. People are asking him about it. But just take the high road. You know what? It was a great four years there. It didn't work out, but, man, am I excited to be here. And I love the fact that, clearly, the Seahawks wanted me, and the way they reached out and the offer they made to me really made me feel great. Like, you're implying the Broncos didn't do the same thing without having to directly say it right? and take that shot. I just don't get it. Here's how Mace ended his column about this at denversports.com, which I really like. He says, Jones appreciated Denver, but not the Broncos. And he's now made that clear twice in recent weeks. It's a perfect summary from Andrew Mason there that, you know, he's, he said stuff and he's said some other stuff. He has love for the fans, whatever. He did not like that organization and the people running it. I can promise you that. But no, I think, you know what? It, it, it's, it's hard to argue with Draymond Jones on that point. When you look at the results, right? Like I, uh, Yeah, Draymond never won squat in Denver. Right. He doesn't know the three Lombardi trophies that we all know of the Broncos. I mean, what he's seen is the dysfunction of three years of Vic Fangio and then the even more dysfunctional situation of one year with Nathaniel Hackett. And he knows knows John Elway being kind of asleep at the wheel his last couple of years, George Payton coming in and making some head-scratching moves. I mean, yeah, I, I can see why. Listen, if he doesn't like... George Payton personally, I think he's taken business too personally. If he doesn't like the way those guys run the organization, well, you know what? He's kind of got a point, because they didn't do a very good job of it during his four years he was here. All right, James, you going to uh, watch uh, Nolan Arenado play at Coors Field tonight? Well, it is cool. You can go down to Coors Field and watch the two highest-paid Rockies, <laughs> and they're not on the same team. <sighs> he just grounded out to second his first at-bat. So. W- if I was there right now, I would have stood up, and I would be hoarse already from how loudly I would have booed him. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, no, Nolan. I Mean man, you know I have a list of guys that leave town that yeah, I don't. Know I know he's he, he's not mellow, but he's not far behind. You're wrong on the mellow one. You're right on Nolan Arenado. Um, Didn't Stokely like burn his jersey last year in a yeah. fire pit at a yeah. golf course or something? Yeah, I don't think he realized how much polyester was in that shirt. That seemed a little extreme. <laughs> But, but, you but I would you have booed him. him. I would have I would have booed him if I was there. You got a chance to go down and watch him. Uh, Chris Bryant, the highest paid Rocky. Nolan Arnado, the second highest person on their payroll yeah, this that's year. Pretty funny. And he did homer off Austin Gomber last year. You remember that? Oh yeah. He's got a that was perfect. Herman Marquez, a little better pitcher, has uh, gotten the best of him thus far. All right, it was fun for KJ for James. I'm Will. Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station 104.3. The Fan. Thank you.